the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Good day. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. How are you, Mr. Burton? Good. Happy Friday. Good day. Let's talk about some uh, financial planning issues. Uh, we got a seminar coming up in Los Gatos on income and retirement. Uh, markets looking towards 2018, maybe, after a successful 2017. Uh, anything that I need to know? Uh, boy, I don't, I don't know. It's getting uh, a couple of good years. I mean, obviously, 2015 was flat. I mean, the S&P 500 was positive only because of its dividends, and then you get followed up by two pretty big years, right? So that's the way the market works. You get these two steps forward, three steps forward, one step back type of a process. It's all part of the game. So are you freaked out where we are, or are you good with it? Well, you know, if we didn't have such a nice increase in revenue and earnings on the S&P 500, um, I would be freaked out because, I mean, the, the market's pushing forward for no reason at all. But we have pretty pretty good numbers on revenue and earnings. Um, we have kind of a yeah, synchronized global growth story right now. Um, what I mean, the lack of getting anything done in Congress with a majority is definitely an issue. But the companies can figure out what to do regardless who's president. Johnson Johnson's going to figure out how many Band-Aids they can sell, you know, whoever the president is or what the Congress is doing. Um, so companies will find a way to move forward. Um, it's not like U.S. stocks are super cheap, but they're not super overvalued relative to interest rates or, or the direction of earnings. There's a lot of value overseas. Of course, you know, the dollar, the direction of the dollar has a play on that. But um, it's a good time to be an investor. So you've recently written a blog about putting your retirement plan through some testing scenarios. Um, what are the top three testing scenarios? How do you do a testing scenario? How do you know one's appropriate? Well, yeah, I've got six on there, but I'd, I'd say the top three that you do, and every single test that you do to make sure you're fully prepared for retirement and that you actually have a strategy, really makes you have to make sure you've gone through very careful analysis of your expenses. Not only your current expenses, but what do you want your retirement to be like? Because you want to be able to do the things you enjoy. Otherwise, what's the point? You might as well keep working. So all these tests say that, okay, you've gone through a careful analysis of that. And we've talked about that before. But three of the main tests that you can use to make sure that you're, you're, you're going to be okay in retirement, uh, the first one is conservative linear modeling, where you use a very conservative rate of return for your investments and then a normal, rate of, a normal rate for inflation. And is your money going to last you know, to age 100 if that happens? Will you be able to, on a very conservative, lower, you know, lower than the norm that you, people have received over the last 100 years, will you be okay? 
And then another one is Monte Carlo simulations on top of that, where you get a certain success rate. And then you can say, okay, if I can, if I can survive my very conservative linear cash flow testing and then go through Monte Carlo simulation, which is a tons of different scenarios and with a 85% or more probability, I'll be okay. And especially if the third test goes into play that do you have a withdrawal strategy to get you through bad market times? Um, 70% of the time, the market's positive and gives us great returns. You just want to make sure you don't have to sell on the down years that come 30% of the time. Um, so if you do those three main tests, I think those are the most important ones. Is this stuff that you'll talk about at the event in Los Gatos coming up on the 16th, 630 to 830? People can sign up at com and um, use code radio25 to get in for free. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but also give some very specific examples because people retire and they have different types of accounts and they want to know which accounts they have to draw from first and how long they're going to last. What else should we know? Well, you know, as, as far as linear testing um, or assuming, what this is, is it's assuming just one rate of return throughout retirement. I mean, you look at the, the stock market in the past and stocks have averaged, you know, 10, 11%, no matter which 50 year period you kind of carve out. Um, but interest rates vary greatly. So when I first got into the business 24 years ago, interest rates on bonds and CDs were, you know, four to six and a half percent kind of a range, right? But now their bonds are 2.8%, CDs are 1%. So if you go through a period where you have a very difficult market, like we just had, right? If you were, if you were to look back at the last 10 years, which includes the Great Recession, where the S&P 500 was down 48% or so from, from the top to the bottom, and interest rates fell from over 5% on the 10-year Treasury all the way down to where we are today. If you look at a global diversified portfolio that's part in stocks and part in bonds, a very balanced approach, you would have been somewhere around 5.5% average over that 10-year period. So if you, you use that low average, which includes a giant recession, um, and you assume 3% inflation, which was higher than we've had in the last 10 years, but normal, if your portfolio can last with those numbers all the way through age 100, then you're, you're on the right track. You, you know that you probably have enough if you've done your expense calculations correctly. In other words, you've, you've really created that list of what you're going to spend in retirement. This comes across as very, very dry. Is that why there's a financial planning world that does it for people? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> the, the transition to retirement is very scary for a lot of people. It's scarier than divorce in some re- cases and, and being empty nesters because you go from getting a paycheck every two weeks and feeding and watching this portfolio grow and grow and grow to this is all you have and it has to, it has to last longer than you do. And so when you make that decision to retire, if you don't do these tests and you don't have a, a very high level of security, it, is, it makes the first several years, especially of retirement, really scary. And then the last several years of retirement, when you're running out of money, even more scary. So the whole idea is definitely don't run out of money as you draw it down. Right. right. Yep. You got to have a safe draw rate for sure. You know what's interesting? I was talking to a loved one recently and she said, my sister doesn't have a retirement plan. I'm like, your sister needs to save money, more money for retirement. She goes, my sister has never even thought of the word retirement, and her sister's pushing 50. There's a lot of people out there, Chad, who are going to be screwed. 
It is. Because you're talking very academically, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who won't even listen. I know, I know, and then unfortunately, we've got kind of two styles of show, right? The, the, the kind of stuff that I do, which is geared for people that have been on that track of savings, and then there's a whole wealth accumulation category that we always have to hit, too, that, to get people to do it. And um, like I always say, if you've got more money going into your car payment than your 401k, you're doing it wrong, and you're going to be broke when you're 70, still working. Can I get you to like come up with a catchphrase or something and go, you're doing it wrong? <laughs> I'll, I'll try. You got to add more color. Wrong. I've already got the Ed McMahon laugh for you. There you go. And we got uh, Donald Trump <laughs> as your sidekick. Wrong. That's right. Thanks very much. CFP Chad Burton. You'll meet him Thursday evening in Los Gatos on the 16th. You can sign up for the event at New Focus Financial. There's a lot of downloadables there, including downloadables on income strategies. They're all free. You just throw in your email and they send them to you. You can find out more information at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. But as I want to do on Fridays for the big game weekend, talk a little SJ Barracuda. You can find out more at sjbarracuda.com. Video debut is the home of the San Jose Barracuda. And speaking to me today, Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the Barracuda. How are you, Nick? Good. How are we doing, Rob? Doing well. We're moving into the month of November and looks like a, a nice home stand essentially for the rest of the month or essentially until Thanksgiving. So is this the, the time and the place for the Barracuda to make their move? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it, the start of the year was uh, very road heavy, and uh, when you go on the road for a long time, you don't have the success you want. I think everybody is ready to get back, and uh, the first game back at home on Sunday was uh, probably the best showing they've had all year—a six-one victory over Texas. So I think everybody's excited to get some games at home and maybe try to build some momentum. As you mentioned, in the month of November, seven of the nine games that uh, San Jose plays are on home ice. So this is you know a pivotal point in the season. Although it's early, uh, it's a pivotal point to kind of make their mark and try to get back kind of in the mix. It's a exciting young team. The team got younger year over year. And you're getting a young star back from the San Jose Sharks who didn't quite work out as far as a scoring streak goes when he was in the big boy NHL. Now he's back to the AHL. Um, But that should be San Jose Sharks' loss should be your victory because he almost cracked the lineup. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, Kevin LeBanc, uh, you know, is a guy that is clearly proven himself that he can score in the National Hockey League. I think for him, um, the advantage the Sharks have is he is a young player. He's 21 years old, and he's still on his entry-level contract. So the, what that means is you can send him down to the minors, and he doesn't have to clear waivers. The 30 other teams in the NHL don't have an opportunity to claim him. So it gives a little bit of flexibility for clubs when you have a young player, and, you know, they realize that maybe he needs to build up his confidence a bit. He had scored quite a bit at the start of the year. He had, I think, three goals in his first four games, but had not scored in his last 10 or so. So an opportunity for him to come down to the American Hockey League, kind of you know, refine his game and, and get that opportunity to go back up there. But um, so far, so good. I think he, you know, he was definitely the key when he sparked uh, Sunday's performance. He came in and, and the top line that he was on with uh, Marcus Sorens, who Sharks fans are familiar with as well. He spent time up with the NHL last year, and then a Danny O'Regan, who was the rookie of the year in the AHL, and had a couple cracks in the NHL as well. That's an NHL line right there for several teams. 
Um, Sharks, fortunately, have the depth and the veteran team that they don't need those guys up right now. But um, he definitely made a huge difference. He had three assists. And uh, just for his own confidence, you could tell he was kind of, you know, uh, grinning from, from ear to ear after the game, just knowing that, uh, you know, he came down, he made a statement. And surprised, actually, he's still with us. So we'll see how long it's going to last. But I think we'll enjoy it while we have him. Sounds good. Now you got a big uh, weekend set of tilts coming up uh, against the Manitoba Moose uh, Saturday, November 11th at one fifteen. Sunday, November 12th at 3. Good day game hockey, which I always kind of like because eh, I go to bed early. I get up early for a radio show, as most people in the Bay Area do. Um, but good weekend hockey. Yeah, absolutely. The guys, it's been a unique situation because, you know, of course we share SAP Center with the Sharks and you got to fit in the schedule, you know, when you can have hockey, when there's concerts and stuff. So, you know, we I think we have eight games that start at 115 this year where you have a double header scenario. The Sharks play the Vancouver Canucks after after our game on Saturday. Uh, you know, it's it's unique for the players. I think in the end, though, most of them enjoy it. You know, you don't have a pregame skate. You don't get your pregame nap, but you play early. And, you know, you get the game uh, underway early, and you don't have to think about it much. And you play, and then you, you have the afternoon off. And, um, you know, last year, the team, I, I, I Right off the top of my head, I want to say I don't think they lost more than one of those 115 games. So um, they've had some success, and um, it's a unique situation, but it's fun definitely to play an early game. And um, we've even heard some Sharks players say they're a bit jealous because uh, by the time it gets to that second game, the ice is a bit banged up because you had a complete game played before. Um, and I think the Sharks they only get a couple you know afternoon games all year long, so they're a little envious that. Uh, the Barracuda get to play as many as they do, but it's fun, it's unique, and it's nice when you when you get out of the arena. Maybe not this time of year, but you get out of the arena, and there's still some light left, and you still got quite a bit of a, a day to take advantage of. What's cool about the Barracuda and where they play? It is the SAP Center. It's not the Cal Palace. It's not a second-rate facility. It's a top-rate facility, and I don't care if you're going to Disney on ice. Uh, the Barracuda is a top-level uh, franchise playing on top-level facilities. It's it's a, a good place, the SAP Center. It must be a welcome yeah. for you. Yeah, it's been it's been you know it's a unique situation because you've got two professional teams in one market and an untraditional market here in the Bay Area. But obviously, hockey fans you know support uh, their Sharks as well as any team in the hockey league, and you know it's been. Uh, just kind of trying to build up the American Hockey League game, but yeah, we couldn't we couldn't ask for a better situation in terms of the facilities and you know allowing these guys to have you know the best opportunity for not only you know mentorship and uh, you know whether, whether it's from a, a physical standpoint with the doctors that are being offered and the coaching. I mean, they've got we got Mike Ricci and Evgeny Dabakov on the ice every single day working with these guys. And you know, if we were back in Worcester, I don't think that's a possibility. So it's been a unique situation you know sharing the same town and the same building but i think the marriage in terms of a hockey standpoint has been perfect and you see guys go up and down all the time you know if you're back east kevin lebanks not getting sent down to the minors and playing the next day but when you're in the same city it's it's an easy you know reassignment and um yeah it's pretty it's pretty great especially from my standpoint to be able to use that facility and and be part of that um you know we're about as close to the nhl as as you're going to get in the american hockey league and like I said, I like the facilities. It's a it's a top grade experience. Uh, tickets are available for Saturday and Sunday. They range anywhere from ten bucks to I think about forty eight dollars. So you can take a family of four for forty plus bucks. Um, that's not too shabby in any way, shape, or form. Get some sessions, have a good time, have a good day. Um, I just went to a Forty ers game, and I'd rather go to a Barracuda's game. 
It just shows you, like, the, the tide is, is changing, at least for uh, adults. Uh, it's just not a good experience, and I love the hockey experience. It's very fam- fa- family-friendly. Well, as you know, Rob, I mean, there's there's a ton of traffic in the Bay Area now, and it continues to get more crowded and more crowded. And I think, you know, the the experience that we're offering is it's not, you know, you're not going to be sitting in traffic. You're not going to be waiting in lines. I mean, you know, we aren't pulling the type of crowd the Sharks are, and obviously that's normal. And so there's an opportunity for fans, you know, to fit into their budget. You mentioned the pricing on tickets. You know, this is our third year of existence, so the concession stand prices, everything's $3. That includes beers and popcorn and nachos. Um, you know, go down the list. So it allows for, you know, a very family-friendly environment. The lines aren't as long. It's much, it's much more casual and a little bit more laid back than what you see in, you know, a, a major sporting event. So, you know, that's, that's what we try to appeal to fans is, you know, it's really casual. It's a great chance to bring your kids. And, you know, we've got a front these fun zone, which is our mascot kids can play and hang out and the family can, you know, enjoy their own little area and, you know, they're not crowded and cramped. So um, we'd like to say it's a a pretty fun environment and, uh, you know, pretty welcoming to really anybody and, you know, any sort of, you know, family or, or, you know, single people going on dates, whatever it is, it, it appeals to pretty much everybody. Absolutely. Thanks very much. It's Nick Nolenberger with the San Jose Barracuda. You can find him at sjbarracuda.com. It's sjbarracuda.com. On game day, you can hear him on AM 1220 KDOW or our sister station KTRB. You can find him at SJ Barracuda. Highly recommend um, some uh, soccer, some NHL Barracuda, SJ Barracuda tickets for uh, stocking stuffers this holiday season. A little tongue-tied today. SJBarracuda.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. For a second day in a row, the futures market looked really weak at the start of the day. When you wake up at 4 o'clock, you kind of look how things are trading in Asia and Europe. That kind of sets what the future is going to be trading like in the U.S. Today, not as bad as yesterday, but I think it's fair to say that people are not thinking the Trump agenda goes through. Or more people are saying, I'm apathetic about it. I, I don't know exactly, but something's going on there. Because uh, the market rally, just it's losing air, not fast, slowly. And that's fine. I will say this. There's some years when the market's down. That it, it feels like, come on, just get it over with. Just have down 500 points in a week. Um, and it, it drives you a little crazy. Concerns about the ability to pass tax reform are the alleged driver of the selling interest. If that puts it in a nice clean box. There's concerns right now where the Senate's tax reform blueprint calls for a cut in the corporate tax rate to 20%, but not until year 2019. So they can campaign... Go out on the trail in 2018 and say, elect us. We're going to get this put through for you. We're the the party of change. We're the party of lower taxes. Start the chant with me now. Lower taxes, lower taxes, right? Um, But uh, Republicans got routed in elections this week. So it looks like the strategies need to shift or something needs to happen. And one of those things is to put off the tax reform. You know, let's not inflate our budget any more than we have to uh, in a year where we're going to go out and campaign about being fiscally responsible. 
So what's driving the, the pullback other than that? Earning season's reportedly over. Spoke with CFP Chad Burton, who will be at the Los Gatos seminar earlier in the show, and he mentioned something along the lines of uh, earning season's delivered. And that's one of the reasons the market rallied at the better part of the first nine months of the year, up 15.5%. Right now, we're not looking at earnings because they're 90 days away. We're not looking at tax reform because it seems to be everything that the Republicans put in front of Congress seems to be getting voted down at this point in time. So what's our catalyst? Patience. Maybe the fact that every time the market cracks 5%, someone steps up. Those aren't exactly things that you want to be thrilled with. Get a shopping list together. Be prepared. You don't want to be in the stock market looking when you got $10,000 and you don't know what to do with it. You want to think about it before you have that $10,000. Like the grocery store. So no big identifiable catalyst right now. Nothing that I can see. Participants are therefore finding some excuses to say, you know what? I'm just going to phone this one in until Thanksgiving. And maybe they'll end up doing it um, through the year. We don't know. Uh, maybe the 15.6% gains that we got through the first nine months, maybe we could just hold on to those. Maybe, maybe the market goes up and down and we get away with those gains. Maybe the market goes sideways. So Walt Disney did their part. I think the most exciting thing out of the Disney uh, earnings report, they're interested in 21st Century Fox. They're interested in setting up a Netflix-like subscription. 21st Century Fox would give them a lot of shows to complement a lot of their movies. They're talking about doing it at a cheaper level than um, Netflix does it. But that wasn't the exciting thing for me. The exciting thing for me, and I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, so please, please don't like box me into like as a Star Wars nerd. But the director of The Last Jedi, the movie coming out in about, I don't know what, 40 days or so? He's going to be making another Star Wars trilogy. We don't know what the content is yet. So not only will we get the Han Solo movie, which was creatively titled Solo, but then we're going to get episode nine. That whole trilogy is going to be, that whole nine parter is going to be over. The next trilogy, what could it be? What could it be? My best guess. I love the Wookiee trilogy. But Chewie's not going to give that to me. <laughs> there's there's some content on the you know the Wookiee planet basically getting taken over by the Imperial stormtroopers there's some content on a war there for sure but I think the content's going to have to be what happened to Obi-Wan Kenobi after he cut off Darth Vader's hand and he doesn't show back up until he hangs out with Luke Skywalker and gives him the, the lightsaber right? That has to be the next trilogy. Those those years in between. Why? What was he doing on Tatooine? We don't know. So anyway, and when I hear Rain Johnson, the director of the upcoming Star Wars films, going to be creating the Star Wars trilogy, I think $3 billion. One movie's going to make a billion, the next movie's going to make a billion, the final movie's going to make a billion. There's also going to be a Star Wars TV series set for 2019 that will appear on Disney's forthcoming streaming service. Eh, not so interested in that. We'll see. We'll see. Um, you don't want to get it too watered down because like when they started doing all the Jedi academies and young Jedis and showing them like training, it kind of had a teenage feel to it. And uh, I like vampires and werewolves. I just don't like teenage vampires and werewolves. I like Jedis. I don't necessarily like teenage Jedis if you're with me or against me. 
You got to pick a side because this is like a civil war. So I already got my tickets for opening weekend and the week after for Star Wars. One's going to be for friends and family. Another one's going to be for business associates. So I'm stoked. Eh, not really. I'm as stoked as I can get. I'm a guy who, when I'm excited, eh, I'm moderately excited. I don't get all that jack. I think that was the big news that's pushing Disney stock a little bit higher today. Not much, but a little bit. That NVIDIA had a nice earnings report after... NVIDIA's had a week, man. NVIDIA's had a week. Earlier in the week, it was announced that Intel and AMD are going to be joining forces to come up with a, a CPU that's got graphic processor technologies inside of it. Or on top of it, or however you want to say it. And then it was announced that, screw that, Intel's going to make, make their own GPUs. And, and you saw the weakness in NVIDIA. And then... NVIDIA reports a great quarter, and we remember why we're liking them so much. So that's what we have there. Donald Trump yesterday got out and said, hey, I just did a quarter of a billion, quarter of a trillion dollar deal with China for American companies. The problem is we know that's just not going to hold because we know there's companies like Google and Facebook who don't do business at all in China because China doesn't let them. And China says, if you want business, you got to do a business our way. So we know that it's not fair trade. Or on an even playing field in any way, shape, or form. I won. He I won. He won. So, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, Manhattan Landlords, we'll talk about later in the show. Uh, what's going on with them and with prices on real estate. New York City! Um, housing affordability is starting to become more of a story. Crown asked me to do a, a whole feature on where where are poor people going to live? Um, and it's not so much even just, you know, if they're going to be able to buy a condo. It's a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, she's been following the show for years. And uh, I don't want to say her name. I'm thinking about it, but I don't. Because she was kind of not the best looking girl. And she definitely wanted a husband, but she also definitely wanted to get real estate. I, I could see, like, in her head, like, just this... I. I'm getting older. I want to do this. I want to do this. And, uh, you know, I was like, I finally was just like, get a condo. Because if it does keep going up in value, you'll be able to switch that into a single family house or whatever you want. You'll be able to convert that into a down payment per se. Uh, the upside gains that you get in the condo. And if it doesn't, you'll still have a place to live and you'll, you'll be paying yourself some equity. Just get a condo. And she did. And of course, San Jose real estate keeps going up. San Jose real estate's expected to go up another um, 6% next year. So that's pretty exciting. If you have said San Jose real estate, um, but as real estate goes higher, the affordability issue becomes tougher. So saving for that down payment, it's a problem for a lot of people at this point in time. So we continue to talk about stuff like that. Cord cutters are always going to be a big story. The yield curve at this point in time, I think is the biggest story. Um, that's probably the most boring story, and it's probably the one that's toughest for me to connect with you on. As interest rates move higher, borrowing costs become greater. As borrowing costs become greater, people are say, I can't afford a 1,600-square-foot home at $1,000 a square foot. I can afford a 1,500-square-foot house at $1,000 a square foot. Um, so people buy less home, or they, you know, they're like, oh, now it's time to get out. Now it's time to 
you know, take that appreciation, take it somewhere else. But you also have the thing, same thing with corporations. Apple famously, famously borrowed billions and billions of dollars at the low point on the 10-year treasury when it dipped down into the ones. Genius move for them. Um, but now they don't have that option unless we get some sort of manic, crazy, scary event. So the reflation trade is going to be out there. That's when we're going to see bonds get crushed and stocks probably get crushed as well. Now, is it going to be a fast reflation? Uh, it could be. It could be. And what we're going to be watching is the jobs numbers. Because if people stay fully employed, they're going to be spending their full paycheck. And if they spend their full paycheck while rates rise, you're going to see inflation become a bigger and bigger problem and rates will rise faster and faster. And then you get bonds going to you know worthless faster and you also get stocks becoming you're not chasing yield as much. It's a problem. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. Don't forget I got an event coming up. I'm going to talk about 2018 and beyond. You can sign up for the Lost Gas event at Rob Black Show and use the code RADIO25. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I need to come up with a podcast idea because I've got a couple of the, uh, I want to do some, some podcast centric only and I don't have any prison rape stories or anything like that. So I can't do that. Oh my, my, my. What can I do tied towards a young person in money? I don't want to start too young. I don't want to start like with teenage kids. Um, I think I want to do your first time job, your first time 401k or something like that. So if you can send me any emails that have any podcast ideas where I can put together 10 episodes, I'll call it season one and I'll do a really good job. And then in season two, we can come up with a better idea. Like now that you're 30 and you're getting married, how do you continue to save money? How do you get to a million dollars? How do you get that house? America has affordability problem in housing. America has a problem in college loans. So anything that you can send to me, that would be perfect. Rob at robblackshoe.com. It's rob at robblackshoe.com. And if you name it, I'll take you to dinner. Come up with a great podcast name. So there's the number one reason I think that people can't save money is that they can't budget. It sounds like a really odd, you know, parallel. Like, oh, I could save money if only I could budget. Da-da. Like, it's in your, you have it. It's unplanned expenses inside of your lack of budget and then your lack of budget on top of your lack of budget. So you need to budget for expenses in advance and you'll have a better shot at saving money. So that's one of the things that I know to be true. Um, Surprise expenses, that is things in your lives that your spending doesn't normally hit, things that pop up um, will kill you. And then like budgets at at holidays, oh, I used to be the worst. I used to be the worst. And then I, I, what I did was, you know, like my favorite movie of all time, Scrooge. It's fantastic. And then the last 10 minutes of the movie, I'm like, no, 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 no. Merry Christmas. Here's an old man who had all the money in the world. He was fine. He, he didn't pay employees very much. He made him work on holidays while he sat at home and, and drank hot toddies. And today he'd be surfing the internet. But then at the end of the movie, you're like, Merry Christmas to all and to all. Like, no. And that that whole angel who is a drunk, I don't get that. Like, I don't have a big heart for for Christmas or Thanksgiving. 
I don't. Merry Christmas! So, at the end, when Scrooge is throwing money out the window, I'm like, no, no, little kids, pick that up. Don't give it back. Keep it. Like, that's money. So, budget. Scrooge. What I've done is I've, I've basically cut it down to three people. Someone you're living with, and then maybe some kids involved or something. So, with work people, I just do a bunt cake. Now, bunt cakes aren't cheap. So, last year I did, um, what did I do last year? Uh, succulents, succulents. So, and you can do, you can plant your own succulents all year round if you want. Go to Home Depot, grab a tray of them. So, it's a wonderful gift. So, uh, but anyway, so budgets are important. And then credit cards kind of blow budgets because you're like, eh, I don't have to have a steak tonight, but I'm going to get a steak and either Venmo the money or just throw it on a credit card. Venmo gets you in trouble, doesn't it? Because it's all that easier to send fake money around. The person who invented the swipe down on the phone, on like Twitter, do you swipe down to get more news, more information? Basically hates themselves because they've turned your phone into an addictive habit where it's kind of like a game. And they wonder what our kids are going to be like 10, 15, 20 years down the road of, of having this gaming mentality and always reaching for their phone, always reaching their phone. And one of the founders of Facebook hates Facebook because he's basically saying at this point in time, it's, it's, uh, we're too caught up in, in posting and looking at other people's lives and we're not actually living lives. And I, I totally agree with that. I'm not going to quit Facebook, but one of my pledges for the new year will be to cut it down at least 90% less than I'm currently doing. With that said, I'll put a uh, update later today on Facebook. So I know, I know I'm just a big mess, right? I'm just a big mess. If you know me, you, you know that. So budget is probably the number one thing that kills you from getting anywhere in your life. Everyone has different expenses. Um, everyone has different varying amounts of foresight is the problem. Um, you know, I heard, I talked to Chad Burton earlier this morning and there's a sister in my family. There's a sister-in-law or something like that where I said, so how much is your sister saving for her retirement? And she goes, my sister doesn't think about retirement. I'm like, your sister's pushing 50. Her husband doesn't work. He's the biggest loser I've ever met. He tells people about how smart he is. He tells people about how great he is. And then he doesn't work. What a loser. And so she works, but one salary in L.A. doesn't get you very far when you're living on the beach. Now, they've got great pictures on the beach. They probably have, you know, great passionate love on the beach and things like that. But in about 10 years from now, and like age discrimination's already hit him. If he's ever going to be a success in his life, it would have been 10 years ago. It's only going to get worse. And healthcare is only going to be more expensive. So they're going to be in a trailer sooner than later in Oklahoma. And that's kind of a, a why? Because they didn't budget. Why? Because they didn't have a job. When you have a job, you got to have a budget. Like this all works together. Um, can't be paying $6,000 a month rent when you're only making, you know, seven, dollars $8,000 a month. You got to figure this stuff out. The number one reason people don't ever get financially successful starts with a budget. So everything starts around that budget. I don't want you to be a nerd about it. I don't want you to be like passionate about it. I don't want you to go, I saved 13 more dollars this month than last month. But you got to know what's coming in and what's coming out. And you got to have expenses planned in your life, including retirement. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.